This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Citizens of the Verse, today is September 21st, 2952, and welcome to another episode of Citizen Cast. We're a weekly Star Citizen podcast here to discuss what's going on in the game and its development. I'm your host, Wade2Geeky. With me tonight is my co-host. He may not have been able to hitch a ride on Serenity, but he's a pretty serene guy. It's Seagard Olsen. Hello, Seagard. That was very soothing music coming in. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny because we thought Chekhov was going to be joining us. Um, he must have gotten busy. You know, hashtag life happens. Hence why we're not a great weekly podcast lately. Um, but um, I was going to say he might not be a crew member on the Enterprise, but he sure is enterprising. That's <laughs> ah. <laughs> pretty bad. Yeah, But you would appreciate that. <laughs> He'd be like, "Oh, that's a good one. Play on my name." <laughs> um, so, Seagard, what have you been up to? I know you. I know a couple things. Uh, yeah, some in game, some out. Yeah, well, I finally finished my long trek from. It, what you know? Remember the last podcast we did? I was on the road in that mm-hmm. creepy hotel, and by the way, I did move. It was a working hotel, if you know what I mean. Oh. Um, the yeah the uh, the adult store across the street should have been the dead giveaway. Um, oh goodness! Yeah, so I just after the podcast, I literally just grabbed my my uh, rock my backpack with my laptop and stuff in it, and uh, did not touch any of the linen and just left. <laughs> I didn't did you check? Out? I didn't even ask for my money back. <laughs> just, oh my goodness! It, yeah, I should have known when there was grills on the on the upper deck. I should have known. So the I other thing going you, to a place down the road and get in a nice hotel. So the other thing is if they have hourly charges. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And you know the bed was not one of those coin operated vibrators. I was a little disappointed in that. <laughs> oh, no heart shaped tub. No, no, no. So you got back. What what else has been has been uh, going on oh. in your life? So, yeah, it was a family reunion, which was great. You know, my brother's doing good. My mother and father, oh, good. who are elderly, are doing good. Um, got to see everybody. And then I, I came back. And then recently, um, you know, I'd gotten on a little bit and been playing a little bit. Uh, you know, various various individuals we've had in the group, uh, Droz and, and uh, uh, I, you know, obviously Badger and uh, Hamar and things like that. Um, and even you a little bit, I saw. And then yep. we did the, uh, I attended that bar citizen down here in, uh, in, uh, yeah, Ontario. No, in, uh, 
Orlando and Haymar drove up and uh, Badger and uh, Jangle, uh, Jangles, his brother drove up. So it was, it was, it was really interesting to meet everybody. We had a really good time. Uh, very packed house there. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was fun. I think we had you on the phone there for a little bit with discord. Yeah. Uh, mostly all I heard was, yeah, that's pretty much what it sounded like there too. So, yeah, yeah, drank a bunch of beers, kind of watched everything, but really just, you know, even though we know each other really well, it was still kind of the same, uh, the same interaction. It was fun. The day, it wasn't boring at all. We're all kind of stunned at how much. We, we really do have good microphones because we sound exactly like that in real life. I, mean, <laughs> I actually found them because I list, I heard their voices at the bar. Yeah. Uh, you happened to be standing there. I heard Haymar and I went, I know that voice. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <they're> like, hey. <laughs> if you were going by picture, I didn't picture him to look like that based on the pictures you guys were yeah. posting. Yeah. I Not- really thought he was about 5'7". He's actually about 6'2". Uh, big beard. Yep. So, the beard was what would have thrown me off. Yeah. Because yeah. I didn't realize he had one. Yeah, Jangles and, and uh you know Badger or Cthulhu, we often call him too. Uh that's his other name. Um, you know, absolutely great. I mean it was just it was a lot of fun, all of us. I mean. Um took some pictures and had some fun and yeah, I'm trying to get Chuck off to go to the well, you know, I, I really, I, I now have a uh, desire. I've met Chekhov. I haven't met you, but I've met these guys now. Um, yeah. I'm definitely thinking if they do another Citizen Con, I will, I will go to a Citizen Con. Yeah, I mean, me too. Especially if it's stateside. Yep. I mean, I'd love to get you know down to either. Uh, you know, we got some people down in New Mexico. We got some people up in. Uh, Seattle area, you know, Flavius is up there and things like that. Um, and a couple others too. And, uh, you know, I, at citizen con, I think would, I think I would, you know, I would enjoy it now because it would be meeting people that I actually know, uh, which is really what made it worthwhile. It really was yeah. fun. I also would say we could have a little citizen cast booth at the, oh, in the hall. Interesting. Maybe we could get swag and that's stuff. right. Yes. Um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds like it was a blast. I uh, didn't do Bar Citizen yet. I'm trying to get Chekhov to go to the one in October in New Jersey. Hopefully he'll go. There's a few yeah. other people t- attempting to make the trip as well. And then oh, there are um, other people from up there from the, from the group? Yeah, I think so. I think there's a few others in sort of a close area like Pennsylvania. And, and um, I, yeah. I do know there's a few people like upstate. I don't know if they're coming. But I, I've heard of a few people at least thinking about it. So hopefully I'll uh, once the time gets closer and I'm 100, 100, 100 percent sure I'm going. Yeah. I'll see if I could drag anyone out. Yeah. I mean, I have a because I canceled my flight. Actually, I have a ticket right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, Chekhov's going. <laughs> yeah. Not a big fan of New Jersey, but I'll come see you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you could maybe you could even try and find a way to tie a work trip into it. Yeah, me work. First of all, there's a misnomer. I actually do work. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I uh, I've been playing a little bit, not too 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 much. I I was um sightseeing a couple, you know, 
a little while ago. I can't remember if it was last week or the week before. My time sense of time is not going so well. Right. And uh, then I did a couple play sessions through Siege of Orison, which was fun with a few folks. Droz was one of them and Haymar yeah. and, and folks. And that was a blast. So, yeah, I did a little bit. Nothing too crazy. Uh, but, yeah, so we missed a couple weeks now. Only a couple this time, so that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so just to dive into it, with ISC two weeks ago, we got a look at the upcoming Daymar derelict uh, crash site that'll be uh, that's targeted for 318, uh, and it consists of a downed 600i, a Mercury Star Runner, as well as sort of like you know bits of construction, sort of ramshackle uh, sheds and things. Right. Um, it it looks like it has, or you know, the the idea of it was to give it a very lived-in feel. Uh, and their goal going forward is to have a greater variety of biomes for these types of crash sites, as well as different ships that, that can be used. Um, and then afterwards, we got to see uh, very much so the, the theme was outposts and, and you know ground-based sites. We got to see a look at some of the older versus newer sprints for, uh, or I guess we got to see the newer looks at colonial outposts that we already saw in older sprints. So we got first a look at uh, an outpost that is very likely going to be on Daymar, and they were showing the concept of overlays, which create a modular uh, theme-oriented uh, set dressing. In this case, it was a more, you know, the Filthy Outlaw set dressing. Uh, they showed off an in-game test, uh, and they began. They will begin developing different subsets of those overlays. One of the areas that they showed off looked like real creepy, like an organ harvest room. Yeah. Um, they saw, hang on. Is this check off messaging? He us? said he's not home. Oh, said, sorry. Right, good. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> then good thing we started. <laughs> and then we uh, got to see a really great white box of a planet side um, service and refueling station. And uh, in addition to planet side refineries, and Jared teased the uh, look at the massive pyro space stations, but everything was redacted, and they'll be showing those off at Citizen Con. What'd you, what'd you think of the episode? Did you get a chance to watch it? Yeah, I did. And, uh, you know, it's been a while because it's two weeks, but uh, I, I definitely love the stuff they're showing. I mean, you know, I I cringe when I think it's 318 and how long, how far out that is, but. Uh, you know, but I I love it all. I really like that ground size refueling. I think that is very cool. Uh, yeah, I really miss the refueling stations, the automated ones. Oh, the uh, um, what's it called? The uh, I can't think what they are. I forgot the name. But I really liked those. Um, yeah, you know, I thought they were a place for interaction, good or bad. Right? I mean, um, you know, there's. There was always something going on there, and uh, a land, you know, it was just a different feel from a from a star uh, from a, a station. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, and it's nice to see that they're thinking about refueling in yeah. a broader sense than just space stations and landing zones, um, because I would hope to see that some of the stuff 
I, I have a feeling that some of this stuff could be modular to the point where maybe even players can have their own refueling station. Right. Yeah. I, I think um, that is possible. You can have a you can have it on a uh, uh, what do you call it uh, a star um, fair, right? If you can have a star fair. You can yeah. have it on the ground. I mean, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I mean, mean some, you know that equipment can be used on a ground side. So, uh, so, but I, I definitely liked it, and uh, I thought it was interesting. They had that site with multiple ships crashed there. Yeah. I, I wonder I if they're going to have happen. some narrative around that. Yeah, because that seems very interesting. It's like, hey, I'm broken down. Can you come out and get me? Oh, crap. I broke down, too. <laughs> you know, both the radios yeah. are up. Ah, we're yeah. here for the, for the long haul. <laughs> yeah. You know what I think is really interesting about it is, at least from what I can tell, the 600i portion of the derelict, it looks like the model that we currently have which I think is weird since they're reworking it. You'd think they wouldn't have used that specifically given that, but maybe they thought narratively it'd be interesting. Maybe it's just not far enough along. The rework? Yeah. I mean, I think they're getting close to it. They said we'll, we'll definitely see what it looks like this year. Not at CitizenCon, though, they said. Okay, okay. So I guess I guess we'll see. Who knows? Uh, either way, it, I thought it was really cool, and it's nice to see. I mean, once again, some of the things that I find interesting about it is, if you look, it it was it came together very quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As, far I, as, yeah. I, as far as I know, I have been always, you know, well, you've heard me every time, and so is every person that listens to this. I mean, I've always said that I think they're farther along than we know. Um, and a lot of things are being held up, not from a perspective of it's not done in Squadron 42 yet. It's in the fact that they don't want to ruin the impact, uh, you know, the visual shock of shock and awe of seeing mm. Squadron 42, 42 for the first time. Yeah. That truly is going to be the marketing for the MMU, right? The other multi, you know, the... Uh, multiplayer aspect of this mm-hmm. massively multiplayer online yeah. aspect of it. MMO. I'm sorry. Yep. That's all right. <laughs> we knew what you were getting at. Yep. Um, yeah. But either way, pretty cool. Now, uh, last week we got to see a deeper dive into salvage gameplay. So that included hole scraping within a vulture. We got to see some really cool multi-crew gameplay on the reclaimer as well as the uh, handheld multi-tool hole scraping. Uh, They definitely worked on the effects there. Um, We also got to look at the repair functionality of the multi-tool. And then the second half of the episode was a much more detailed look at the vulture um, and sort of the inside and everything. Nothing too crazy since if you went to um, Fleet Week, you should have been able to see it um, because they had it in the uh, Drake presentation yep. so but uh what would you think of that episode are you excited for salvage oh yeah i mean i'm i'm definitely excited for salvage and i think it's going to be every bit as engrossing even in its basic version as mining is mm-hmm. right I mean, we are i really do think it's going to come out and be 
pretty darn deep already because I think that the the pattern has been established by by mining. Mm-hmm. So, you know what type of play will be used, and then it's a matter of graphically how they portray that. Right? Yeah. What are you controlling? You're adding or decreasing power. You know that could be easily converted into you're focusing the you know the salvage beams and are they aligned or not aligned and you know there's just ways to tackle it mm-hmm. just graphically using the same engine or set of tasks in the game now you well, you, you yourself have a reclaimer correct i have a reclaimer and the vent and the uh, vulture yeah okay cool yeah i have a vulture i no longer have a reclaimer from probably many years ago now but I was excited to see even, you know, I think the coolest part of the episode was the fact that they didn't just make the reclaimer, hey, here's a turret that you as a pilot can then just go run to and do that and be efficient that way. Um, It actually includes, you know, uh, the, um, the fact that you need both two turret people to really optimize the scraping of the hole, but also you need like one or two people in your cargo hold mm-hmm. because there's a spot where the actual materials come out of that get compressed into boxes and you have to move them into your cargo grid in order to sell them. I thought that right. was ingenious way to make it feel more fleshed out on the reclaimer without making it overly cumbersome. Right. Right. And then, you know, it makes, and they've kept the mechanics of the hull. You know, we used to look at the reclaimer and say, why is there this slot from the top uh, storage area into the bottom where you have the, you know, the rail that looks over everything? It, mm-hmm. it could almost look like you could maybe dock there somehow, or uh, Lord knows I've fallen out of there several times out of the ship. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, in one of the scenarios now I've seen, uh, one of the scenarios you can play in the game, they have what's what it's the equivalent of a working reclaimer with with stuff already in it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, crates and things like that. And they have the scrap that's been thrown from the upper deck into the next lower down deck, the salvage deck. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the reclaimer is starting to come alive. It obviously needs some updating, but when you see it with all these working components and the lights and the stuff in the storage areas. And it really is a great looking ship. It's I'm super excited about it because I do think it's a blast to fly. It's complex. Uh, if you have any damage, it's a bear to land or get anywhere. Um, I, I, I think the salvage aspect when you add tractors and scrapers and drones is going to be out of this world. Yeah. It's going to be a choreography. Yeah. It, it definitely, you start to see how this, like, because what's the crew size of the Reclaimer? I think it's seven. It's yeah, so I, that. I think it, yeah, no, it's seven. It's about seven. So I can see, well, now I got to, now I got to look it up, but I can see how the whole hole scraping activity um is taking up a majority of crew but then you still probably have others either using the drones because there's two drone pilot seats or 
maybe there. I mean, I'm in checking out on the grid, so don't. Oh, worry okay, cool. Uh, Five and then, person max, four person minimum. Oh wow! So the whole crew is going to be doing um, hole scraping at the same time if you want to optimize it, or um, you can simultaneously have someone harvesting. And, uh, and some of the components. Yeah, I think it's actually, I think the commander's quarters are separate, aren't they? So it's actually, I can think of five bunks plus the commanders. I think it's only actually, two racks of, I thought I thought it was only two racks of two. Two racks of two. I keep thinking there's two and a half for some reason. I think you're thinking of the Carrick. Yeah. There's the one in the wall. Yeah, that's probably what I'm thinking. You're right. Well, yep. at least if you're doing early, like if you're doing in-system salvage, you might not need, you could maybe go over a crew size by one or something. Yeah. You or, also, you also, you know, you have to operate the claw, right? At yeah. some point in here, because you're going to be able to crush things. Mm-hmm. Um, and tractor beams, right? So, and then yeah, your engineer. Yeah. So I can actually see him adding more bunks. I can see it going to seven pretty easy. Well, it's either that or they're making it a lengthy process intentionally, which I think could be it too. Um, You know, because you could, I could see this taking, you know, if you want to be the big salvage ship, I can see this taking potentially a a couple hours to really break down a ship. Because what do you have to do? You have to scrape the hull. You have to siphon off fuel, especially because you don't want, as far as I know, I think that's going to be functionality and you probably don't want it to be, um, Mm -hmm. you you don't want it to be dangerous when you're mawing up the ship. Plus it's something you can sell. Right. Uh, Then you're going to components, probably the black box, because they might even tie this into um, maybe um, insurance missions or something. Mm -hmm. Um, Who knows? And then, then you have to break it up with the big maw. Yep. So it's going to be cool. It's, it's going to be very cool. Um, I can't wait. That, that'll be really fun. And I feel like that the, the rest of that stuff is probably, you know, over the course of a year, year and a half, maybe two. Um, I think the biggest thing will be the maw is probably tough. Like the, you know, the, the mowing, but they did put it on the, the um, progress tracker. So, yeah. Now I got a question. Is this, is this a little bit too much selfishness to ask this, that like all ships that get redone, that it grow? (laughs) 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 I know it's a big ship now, but that's really, it it really feels big and to get it even bigger would just be freaking awesome. What's, What's interesting to me is I don't think I, it looks like a huge ship on the exterior. Right. And when you're in the, um, like when you're looking up at the upper decks of like the elevator (laughs) shaft and everything. Um, but it's still kind of like. Claustrophobic. Kind of like, yeah, they, they do an amazing job of, of kind of balancing the massive scale of the ship, but then making it feel really tight and, and nerve wracking inside. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I actually thought there was, you know, there's a sub deck on the back near the back before the elevator. Mm-hmm. I could have sworn at one point there was a sub deck 
behind the cockpit where the gun station is and um, is. where the elevator comes in. I could have sworn there was a sub deck below that at one point. There is, isn't there? I can't find it anymore. It's only up near the engineering area where you have, you know, the in-between. You have, like, the engineering area that's down below, and then you have, like, an area where there's dripping oil and everything else. I thought um, the entrance to a sub-deck, correct, I could be very wrong because I don't know the ship that well, but I thought it was on the same wall as the um, the exit elevator, that small single person exit elevator. I thought it was that's what I thought wall. it was too. There's an elevator that there's a ladder that goes up, but there's not a ladder to go down. Oh, then maybe that's what I'm thinking of is the ladder that goes up. Yeah. Um, I, I could have sworn it's where the escape pods are now. Like you could go down a ladder down there near the escape pods on that side, but you know, someone I don't else what probably what knows better than me. I'm right. probably imagining it. Yeah, maybe maybe it was just maybe we were combining things or something. Um, I, I did take a look at the roadmap while we were talking, and vehicle munching uh, has its timeline through uh, Q two of next year. So okay. who knows if it'll end up in Q the Q two release? But maybe we'll have vehicle munching next year after all. Yeah. Um, I mean, physicalized damage is supposedly coming sooner rather than later. And I mean right. that beyond the mesh that they have. So I guess, you know, I'm excited once the components are in and those are things you can sell. Yeah. Uh, the other thing about the salvage gameplay, they did add some uh, clarification on the website about it. Um, first and foremost being for right now, AI and player ships are the only things that will be salvaged. Um, people were concerned that um you know Bases. it's going to be hard to find things to salvage and they said that they're working on something for 318 that should hopefully help with that and that it won't be a band-aid but an actual solution um what else did they say i think that was the those were the only oh and then the other thing was with the multi-tool the the um that, like there's an attachment that you actually remove and it fills it with the the um, the ship repair material. I forgot what it's actually called. Yeah, the, the goo. Um, yeah, it on. and and what they said is if you look, if you if you ha- were quick eyed in the episode, the same uh, sort of place where you get the output of the material boxes. Will also also has a button where you could get a small handheld container full of the the materials so that you can fill up and or sell those as as commodities. So you can either you know fill up your stock of repair um, goo or sell it uh, to a you know a kiosk. That's cool. Good stuff. Um, Star Citizen Live, we've got two weeks of that as well. Um, neither of those were game dev episodes, thankfully. Uh, two <laughs> weeks ago, we had a QA from the narrative team. They talked about how um, the Tavaran have been assimilated into the society for hundreds of years, and that we'll be seeing more of their presence down the road once they get implemented in the game, in particular, uh, certainly Stanton. Uh the Pyro Crab's full real name is the Whip Crab. Yeah, uh, I saw that. 
Yeah, they refused to confirm whether or not our good friend Darnell was actually framed uh, in that Kovalex incident, aka the the best investigation mission still. Um, they spoke about the tr- struggles of the Hurston workforce. They mentioned the need to not contradict themselves when creating more lore or when changing lore. Uh, they talked about how their lore posts are written with an objective tone and are stored in the ARC, which is meant to try and contain all knowledge as far as we know. They also want to be able to uh, allow you to view information from the ARC on your ship terminal so that you can look things up, invest, you know, research. Uh, and they want to add player-based discoveries to the ARC and or player-driven things such as, you know, the Daymar Rally. Uh, They'll have an episode about the foods of Pyro in uh, February, according to Jared. And they also talked about scenarios where we might see a crossover between Xenothreat and Ninetales, despite being from in different systems. So that's some of the content from last week or two weeks ago. Uh, Did you catch that episode? Anything jump out to you? Well, well, I did. uh... I did get the whip crab part, and uh, um, I mean, not, it's all good stuff because I do think the lore is really important. Um, mm-hmm. um, I um, no, I mean, I, I watched a good chunk of it. I don't think I watched it to the very end, but mm-hmm. uh, I'll just give it a thumbs up. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, I find it interesting because. Normally, I wouldn't have thought something like the lore team would interest me, but I actually always like their stuff. Uh, you know, it's I do at too. least because <clears throat> at the very least, you learn what might become a reality for us in the future because of you know the game development that they're going right. through and what lore might be accompanied with it. And I also just really respect the fact that they create such a robust. Um amount of content for us to be able to, you know, really think about and have this fleshed out real feeling verse that we have. Yeah. And that's, 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 always, so that's exactly it. I mean, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to be able to see news or, um, I don't know, you ever seen Starship Troopers, the movie? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's, that's not just the best movies. If you're a book, if you're the book fan of the book, but, uh, a, a decent movie, but the whole, uh, you know, the, the news flashes, you know, you know, asteroid strikes, blah, 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 killing yeah. you know, Argentina. You know, uh, I, I like that type of interaction in the universe. Um, another game, another game that does it real well was Eve online. Eve yeah. online, they could actually have billboards with information on them as you fly by. There's these yeah. billboards floating in space. And I thought, that's really cool. You can see who's the highest ranked pirate in the area and how many strikes, you know, this month were done in this area. Um, I think the lore piece of this is, is, is pretty important. I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, most definitely. I, um, I thought it was interesting, you know, um, definitely one to check out if you like the lore and want to know more. Yeah. I do go <laughs> um, in there quite a bit. Yeah. I, I I also checked the updates to the Galactopedia. There was a good 
uh, post also. I, I, I know we don't talk a lot about the posts um, because I just don't want this to be a four hour show. Um, but uh, there's a post um, about uh, Cousin Crows on there. And actually, yeah. talk about uh, something that is super fascinating. If you read it, you learn all about Cousin Crow and, and why he went into what he did. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's more than one that's just the flagship stores in or- Orison. So we'll yeah. see more than one Cousin Crow. There was a whole there. piece on, uh, did they talk a little bit about that with the, um, how Cousin Crow, uh, when they when he opened the store, they actually rec- uh, they counted the, at a record number of times, the thrusters were holding the platform in store and yeah. were in, uh, in place and all that stuff. And uh, Yeah, because it came from a, he came yeah. from kind of like a, a real city rat kind of background and all his friends. It said that all, you know, people from his, I forgot what system and planet he's from, but that a lot of them spent their life savings to get there to see the to see the unveiling. Right. No, I did like that. It was really cool. And I didn't realize like I knew cousin crows was responsible for the Kraken privateer. What I didn't realize for some reason, they made it sound like it was an aftermarket kit, but he was involved with Drake in coming up with the solution. And he was integral in, um, them sort of building it out that way. And the reason they went with that route is because, or the reason why he thought of it was because he spent time as a slave to the Banu and was on their, like, you know, merchant men and saw what it was like to have these giant floating bazaars and said, why don't we find a way to make something like that? It's pretty cool. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Um, Last week, we got a pretty extensive um, episode about persistent entity streaming. Um, I'm only going to go into some detail here because it is so robust. But, you know, that obviously um, with persistent entity streaming, items will persist where they're dropped. (laughs) Um, They mentioned essentially the definition of it is that all items that um, essentially are either dropped or uh, no longer stored. Sorry, I keep hiccuping. No longer stored uh, are stored in database memory that they can then stream in to a server or shard rather. In 3.18, we shouldn't expect a lot of radical change um, because ultimately whatever we dropped is only going to persist while the server is alive. So if a server dies, um, now if it crashes and you're able to join again, it should save the state of the server as it crashed. But once the server uh, <coughs> is no longer alive like long-term, um, it will call those things. Uh, they will not persist across Um, different shards. So it has to be in the shard that you actually were in, in order for it to persist. Uh, Long-term, obviously this will change. It's really just a building block for server meshing. And uh, once they start to mesh servers, there'll be much larger shards. And so, you know, a lot of people will be on one shard. Um, uh, Let's see where I left off. You know, uh, 
they, they were reticent to change much more than that. For instance, they need to have a matchmaking system to make it easier for people to um, get back to a shard that they were in. However, given that 3.18 was already a large-scale refactor of legacy code, they felt that they didn't want to add too many things in order to break it. Um, they said they talked about combat logging and how it um, it will be dealt with with the fact that once somebody logs out right in the middle of combat, their ships will persist because they weren't stowed or you didn't go to bed in a bed. Um, so, you know, you will die even if you are uh, um, logging. And they have created ways to cull um, overly dense objects on a server. Uh, they will be taking on a, a very priority-based approach. So an empty water bottle is higher, lower priority than a weapon, just as an empty, empty um, ammo cartridge is going to be much lower priority as a full or partially full cartridge, and so on and so forth. So that was uh, persistent entity streaming. If you want to get more detail about that, definitely watch the episode. It was uh, a lot of information. Uh, I think I think the big takeaway, at least from my perspective, is it's a behind-the-scenes thing where we might see some change in what's going on, but I don't think it's going to be you know, the radical change that some people might might have hyped up in their heads. Uh, what did you think, Seagard? You know, I watched a portion of it, not a lot. Um, uh, just I had too much stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, talking about it, talked a little bit about it at the uh, at the bar, citizen, and yeah, I'm pretty pretty pumped. You know, it's uh, I I think it'll be very good because you know how many times have we gone down there and tried to find our own self and you know after thirty k or after we died and tried to loot ourselves and least now there'll be some persistency there and we can potentially yeah. do that um i'm also you know you know me i'm also a big fan of um persistence like even in my ship right um yeah i mean probably the only guy in the world that cheers when i find the same bottle float rolling around on my floor of my ship after two yeah. weeks, you know, it's like yeah so uh, that's so you bring up a good point i'm curious that sounds like that will be much more consistent given maybe maybe not the bottle maybe the bottle will get cold but i get this weird feeling that so long as you don't blow up maybe your weapon racks will maintain the weaponry that are inside of them right now they do pretty good i mean i get pretty good i've been using my whole a lately and i've been i've had weapons in that for yeah eight or nine sessions without having an issue oh really and i've taken them out back and Use them and put them back, and the, the way deal. I think about it is, it maybe if the server crashes, mm-hmm. it won't affect them. Right, right. So I guess that's the that'll be interesting to see. I'm not expecting a miracle, but it does sound no. like it. You know, it could be uh, maybe slightly better. I, I'm excited for persistent entity streaming only for the fact that it's unlocking and, and laying the groundwork for server meshing. I, I don't. Yeah, I, mean, I agree. I don't really care beyond that. I agree with that. At least for right now, because what's the point if it's in the shard that you're in? 
So I, it doesn't bother me one bit that it's not there. I just, to see that we're getting so close to server meshing with something that seemed like it could be, you know, not necessarily impossible, but that was going to be a much, you know, something that they talk about and talk about and talk about and never do um, is exciting. I wonder, I wonder if they're ever going to get to the point where like, you know, you have a suit and, uh, you know, uh, undersuit and the suits, you know, damaged two or three times. Will it record that damage, you know? Um, so yeah, that it, I think that's the goal. It's had more failures, right? You're le- more likely to have a hose blow out or something in space and suffocate. Uh, yeah. You know, I would love to see that level of persistence also, persistence in damage and conditioning. Yeah, I think that will definitely be the case. What, what, and I don't know if they mentioned this or not, because even though I did watch the whole thing, sometimes I have a habit of checking out when it starts to get a little bit. I'm a fan of um, simple, concise answers, and sometimes people, you know, over inflate. I know that sounds funny because I'm way too talkative sometimes, but when I'm listening to things, if it's trying to capture my attention, that's when I need it. But what I don't know and what they didn't say is whether or not PES will start to really, will if we'll see the impact in terms of the wear and tear on our ships. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like right now you get, you can get dirt and scratches on them. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what I thought. Uh, but it goes away. I think as soon as you, I mean, I don't know. Is it persisting? I haven't noticed it. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I guess we'll see. It's a good thing to test, folks, if anyone wants to test that out and keep track. Maybe a photo log for evidence. Um, this week, our Inside Star Citizen will be an intro to the localization team. Um, I'm guessing this is one of those team pieces, like, meet these folks. Um, and I'm thinking localization I don't know if that has to do with localization of of them as a business in different locales around the world or what. Um, but that's just my guess. Who knows? It could be completely different. And then they are going to talk about the revamping of the siege of Orison. I'm curious. Did you notice any difference? I haven't played it. it since, I haven't done the re. I haven't done it since. Oh. To be honest, I wasn't sure. They. I didn't know that they really did do a revamp. Um, I, I couldn't remember tell. something vaguely about it in the past, but you know, I've, I was there when we completed it once and mm-hmm. from the end, right? And I think uh, Drowse or Droz was the one who leaped across and actually, you know, solved the puzzle at the end, and we won it uh, or ended it. Oh wow! Ended. Yeah, so jealous. Yeah, so so I kind of haven't played it again since. Uh, it was just a really fun. Really fun day that day. Nice. I think it was Droz who did that. Yeah, that was. A I, nice, I think we say, met him actually. I have to say, I was. I am not an MVP of those that mission. Now, granted, I will say in my defense, at least fifty of the times that I got downed were because of desync, um, and or. Um, a lot of times the the spawn closets weren't spawning as open. Like you just saw a dark black splotch and then all of a sudden gunfire comes out and you're dead or, you know, 
incapacitated. But, um, you know, it, I, I still had a, a ton of fun with that mission. Yeah. Um, we did it with, uh, I know, Hamar, me, Badger, I think Jangles might have been there. Chekhov was there. And it was kind of like... Um, Kind of like a rolling blitz. I mean, I know I had a one of the heavy machine guns and uh, one of the machine guns. Uh, we just kept the only thing we did was really pick up ammunition, heal people, and move to the next level. Mm-hmm. We just kept moving and moving and moving. Um, and uh, it was, and then we were joined by uh, three other people. One was, uh, I think, I think it was a girl. Um, she was uh-huh. female in appearance, so let's put it that way. Um, and she actually had a friend with her who later, I think, got uh, dropped off. But it was it was a good moving pack. Everybody, when it came time to look for things, we spread out and stayed in communication and uh, ran the elevators. Everyone got in the elevators real quick, and you know, it was it was very fast moving. So it was good. It was fun. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy it. I look forward to seeing what they talk about and if it, if there's a major difference beyond what I could detect. Well, maybe we'll have to get a, a group again together because I didn't realize that was the case. I'm not sure that Badger and those guys do either, Badger and Hamar. So. Well, now now they've stopped the, the mission for a bit, mm-hmm. so um, Next who knows when they'll do it again. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know they're going to do it again, just like they're going to keep doing Xenothreat because they're going to keep trying to perfect it and learn from it. I'm sure they get a ton of metrics yeah. uh, from it as well, both both from performance and stabilization to, you know, um, behaviors of players and things like that. We also um, have, you know, bad, um, uh, uh, Homington and uh, Bloody Badger, or Bloody um, uh, Boris is what I'm trying to think of. Oh, uh, and we have Boris back. Kraken. Boris Krakenback, um, and they haven't done it, I'm pretty sure. So that would be – there is a reason to kind of do it again. So Boris, I, I think, was doing it with me the other night. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he was – and he, he seemed to enjoy it. Um, yeah, so – and then Star Citizen Live originally was supposed to be a Q&A with the AI team, but there was a scheduling conflict. So now it's going to be a one-on-one interview – with Damien DeVoe, lead character artist from Turbulent. And they're going to discuss who, what, when, where, why of coming over to CIG, as well as the efforts to build out a new character team that's exclusive to Star Citizen that can deliver like never before. Interesting. Um, Yeah, if you liked the meet the dev segments of old, uh, this will be very familiar to you. So looking forward to it. Not as action-packed as... Some other weeks, but we're getting very close to CitizenCon, so uh, not surprising. Um, and since since we last recorded, we had the ship showdown uh, come to completion. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't remember where exactly we left off because I didn't have it in my notes and I didn't want to listen back to the episode to find it. We were, but, in, the, we were in the first round. Because yeah, I stopped I, think, I made my second selection. Yeah, I think I think we were ending the first round with the with the Pisces and such. But we um, we have a winner. Uh, f- our fourth finalist 
ended up being the RSI Scorpius, so a new entry to the ranks. And it initially beat out the Vanguard Warden, uh, then, you know, kicked the Redeemer to the curb, but was ultimately vanquished by my beloved Carrick. Yeah. Um, third finalist is our favorite Carrick companion, the Pisces Expedition. It rose through the ranks, ultimately beating out the Mule and then the Avenger Titan. Ultimately, the Mercury Star Runner was too much for the Pisces to endure, and it lost to that. Runner-up was the Data Runner and Smuggling Ship Galore itself, one of my favorites, the Mercury Star Runner. Yeah. Uh, in round really one. Cool. Yeah. And in round one, it did best the uh, Cuddy Black. It also beat the Ar- Argo Raft in round two. And as we already know, its altercation with the Pisces left it victorious. But that leaves us with our winner. My all-time favorite ship. No one should be surprised by this, that I'm happy it won. The Anvil Carrick. Uh First, she beat out the 400i, then its older sibling, the 600i, before taking down the Scorpius and ultimately the Mercury Star Runner. I will say that final battle was relatively close. It was within a, a couple hundred votes or less, I think. Yeah, Mercury Star Runner is definitely a popular ship. Yeah. Um, what's interesting this year compared to last year, and maybe it's maybe it's because they changed things. So for those who don't know, if you didn't have an account before the ship showdown began, you were ineligible to vote. So people trying to create accounts to, um, you know, get the Argo uh, Argo cargo to win, um, couldn't do the same thing or, or couldn't try and repeat that again this year. Granted, they already built the created the accounts last year, so they would have multiple accounts anyway. But um, either way. Maybe it was because of that, but it felt like it felt like people weren't meme voting this year. It felt like they were just voting for the ones that they really wanted to win. What um, did you have any disappointments on your side, Seaguard? Was this what you expected? I mean, it is what I expected. It you know, it is a it's becoming the standard. I mean, it's just such a popular ship. Um, mm. And, and, but it's a worthy ship, right? I think it is a worthy ship. Um, um, I think there are some other, very, you know, like to me, I do think like the uh, the raft is a pretty cool ship from a perspective of it's new. It's got a lot of the newest features and things like that. I'm surprised mm-hmm. we didn't see the whole A or something in there. Um, you know that yeah. maybe maybe the competition should be the rookie ship of the year or something, right? <laughs> yeah, know? and then you have the Hall of Champions. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I could see this over time really becoming focused. First of all, I could see it happening in game, and I could also see it becoming very much as we have more and more ships to round out careers being a battle of that or a battle of class like size and and function like large industrial ships um but you know i thought it was really interesting i didn't care if the carrick won per se although one i'll tell you why i i actually am super happy it did afterwards but um 
I just wanted it to get a new skin. And it's super icing on the cake that the Carrick and the Pisces now have the same skin. So really. I had thought about that. Yeah. So um, I don't know because I actually don't have the Pisces Expedition. So I might have to upgrade to it before I can get that skin. I wanted to upgrade to it anyway. So um, I actually wanted to upgrade my character to the Expedition too, just because I do like the red glass now that they made it red instead of that stupid rolls rose red before mm-hmm. that pink. Um, but you know, uh, I, uh, and, and if you look like the MSR, it was in the top four last year too. So may, perhaps next year it'll win. Maybe someone else will win. I don't need, I don't need the character to win every year. That's just selfish. I do like when it gets new paints. So. Yeah. I, I, I think it's great that it gets new paint and everything. And I have one, obviously it's, uh, um, but I, you know, I do think there's some ships in there that um, really are people won't play them, but they really have they're really fun to play. Yeah, um, they're going to want to always go for the big ship. It's you know, oh, it's so cool. But I look at the raft. You know, that thing is a fun, fun little ship. It's got so many, you know, little nooks and ways to get around. It's like a mole on steroids, right? You got ladders. You got yeah. elevators. You got wall lockers you got weapons racks and suit suit hangers and um you know multiple bungs it you know you know given it you know if you if you added like pouring coffee and a bunch of other things you know make those things work like they do with some other ships and it would be a, it's i fly it a lot just because of that same thing with the whole way i, mean, I it's, love the it, vibe of both of those ships yeah they have exactly it they they have a great vibe and uh you know, I I I like the big ships because they're they're fun and they're difficult to fly, but I also like that feeling you get from having that little vulnerable ship, and you know you, you know you feel like you got to accomplish something, right? And you got to be careful, yeah. and you're not going to be able to blast your way out of it or survive your way out of it. You got to be smart about what you're doing, so they make you work a little harder, I think, than the big ships. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay, so. We've got a couple more segments before our typical ones. So I'll try and be as brief as possible in my overview. But we did have a pretty um, extensive roadmap roundup. So uh, Alpha 318, they wanted to provide us with an update slash caveat. So before we jump into the roadmap update, we'd like to give you an update on the status of Alpha 318, as well as an update to our standard release cadence for this year. As previously mentioned, we are on track to release Alpha 318 to the PTU this month. We will start with Evocati and aim to expand to more players soon after. We are eager to get persistent entity streaming into your hands as quickly as possible, as the more time we have with all of you hammering on this new behemoth of technology, the better. As communicated in the last letter from the chairman, we expect PES to remain in PTU for two to three months for robust testing. Our current goal is to release Alpha 318 to live servers in the first half of November, ahead of the Intergalactic Aerospace Expo. That means that the 318 patch will now also include content related to IEE, 
which you'll notice in the detailed breakdown below. Ironically enough, they don't mention anything about IAE in the breakdown below. Uh, as you know, PES and subsequent technologies, server meshing, will change the core of Star Citizen forever and provide a giant leap forward in realizing the vision of what our shared universe is meant to be. It's no surprise that we have an abnormal cadence this year, and we are appreciative of all your support as we push through these major milestones. So on release view, the following card has been added to release view slated for Alpha 318. Drake Corsair. Building, balancing, and implementing Drake Interplay's multi-crew explorer, the Corsair, into the game. And then, uh, so that's exciting. And then after further review, these deliverables will require additional tasks that are being uh, currently being scoped out and scheduled. Therefore, we're removing these two cards from release view until their release timing is reassessed. So these were both for 318. Uh, new interdiction scenarios, as well as environmental space missions. And then on the progress tracker, with this published, we are beginning to add the Q2 2023 schedule for upstream teams, with more teams to follow in subsequent publishes. The following deliverable previously removed is returning to the progress tracker with this publish, the APOA Santakiai, building, balancing, and implementing APOA's medium fighter, the Santakiai, into the game. Uh, after assessing with the team and vehicles being worked on for Squadron 42 taking a higher priority, the following vehicles are being removed from the progress tracker temporarily until resources can be reallocated. Uh, the RSI Apollo and the Tumbrel Ranger. <clears throat> the uh, additional focus from the USPU team is being placed on freight elevators deliverable for hangars and cargo and is a prerequisite for hangers to persist. Therefore, we're removing future work for the following deliverable temporarily as this work is being completed. Persistent hangers. So a little bit of a change up, nothing too, too crazy. Um, and it's still for the progress tracker changes. Anyhow, it's not like it's, um, it's not a ton of changes for 318, but we did lose new interdiction scenarios and environmental space missions. Anything jump out to you about this uh, update to the roadmap? Tigar? I think you're muted. Sorry, I was on mute. I was typing up the question. <laughs> not, not particularly, because I, you know, I really don't pay much attention to that stuff because it changes over time, mm -hmm. right? Uh, it's just a, it's a, no, I, I just, you know, it, I just expect it always to change and <clears throat> so yeah. not, not particularly. Okay. Okay. I'm just I'm, glad, um, they, they didn't address whether or not 319 is going to be slipping, but I'm glad that they're shooting for early to mid November for the patch. Um, so hopefully that comes through. And then last major update to go over is we finally got the details around this year's CitizenCon. So as a reminder, everybody, this year it is another digital CitizenCon with, um, without a keynote. So um, that being said, I think there's some exciting stuff to go over. Uh, the event's going to be on October 8th starting at 3 p.m. UTC. So I think that's what, 8 or 9 
our time, something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, the following panels are um, going to be included. So first of all, the theme. Every panel has a subtitle of Journey to 4.0. So obviously, um, very 4.0 focused, which we've been talking about for a couple of years, but this is the most fleshed out I think it'll ever be. Uh, first panel, Planetary Pyro. Join us for a guided in-engine tour through many of the planets and moons of the upcoming Pyro system exploring their current development status and why they're more than just burnt charred husks that you may have read about. Um, design brief. Good. Yeah. Um, design brief investigations, explore the pitch process for a new mission archetype that leaves combat and delivery behind for mindful deduction and increased storytelling. Uh, Journey to, well, they're all Journey to 4.0. The new underground. When corporations, commerce, and caverns collide, take a your first look at the enormous reimagining of underground facilities and the new gameplay possibilities that will arrive with them. The need for multiple speeds. We all know how speed impacts combat, but now learn how master modes, initially developed for Squadron 42, will impact the flight experience for the persistent universe and better define ship roles for all vehicles in Star Citizen. Uh, Lorville Redo. We've come a long way since our first planetary landing zone, and here you'll get a first glimpse at how everything learned since then is being reapplied to this walled, polluted, a uh, walled, not walled, <laughs> walled, polluted city. <laughs> like, what's walled mean? <laughs> uh, power play how the upcoming resource management system will change life in the verse as we know it from combat to player homesteading and allow for true multi-crew gameplay Ooh. and then talking ship 2952 our annual presentation from the ship's team discover the latest vehicles throughout the pipeline from concept to newly flyable and a new twist to this year's voting on a new ship to come. Uh, there'll be a digital goodies pack available to all backers. Uh, however, those are still under wraps, but we are 16 days away now. So I'm super excited. I'm definitely going to stay home and watch that all day and then maybe go to the yeah. bar afterwards. Uh, Seagard, which sessions excite you the most? Uh, certainly that one about the uh, power, um, um, you know, how, how things are going to change in the universe for, you know, to homesteading and uh, et cetera. Yeah. I, I have to say they all, every single one of these, because none of them are hyper technical. Um all of them feel like things that are going to be exciting. And like the fact that all these are gameplay and, or very related to things that we will be seeing. And it sounds like mostly in 4.0 or maybe a, a subset of that says to me, um, what were, or has me thinking, I don't care that there's not a keynote. Like this is, sounds like the most content rich, citizen con ever i think it just helps that now they don't have to rush to get some new technology out in order to 
run CitizenCon. And if they move to this model going forward, I'm fine. I'm completely fine. Um, one thing I completely forgot to do um, is back at our ship showdown talk. The uh, I forgot to mention the top four ships. You know, we we know that they get a, a special paint skin, but there's also going to be this year instead of like a jacket or or something like that. It's going to be a manufacturer's challenge coin, and then the Carrick. So those are all owners of those ships. And then I think everyone gets the last one, but I'm not 100% sure. Everyone who's subscribed up until the date uh, will hopefully receive uh, an Anvil Carrick in what they're putting in quotes, Epic, or they called Epic, in-game collectible model. So that's why I'm glad that the Carrick ended up winning because... I love the Carrick so much that I want that there to be a model. <laughs> but anyway, I, well, you know, they have the models in the display case, right? We have all the yeah. old previous ones. I would suspect that's what that is. Yeah, I think it's just like that. Um, I wonder if it'll have the best in show skin, though. Instead. Good point. Good I have point. a feeling that because I think they're going to make models for every ship be something yeah. you can buy in game but i bet you the best in show skin will be the you'll only get it this one time and so it'll be semi-rare you know only millions yeah. of people will have it i just really had a bad vision in my mind that those boxed models become or display models become a real thing sold by cig i would be broke again i mean well i mean jr fabrication you actually JR have fabrication. a model that comes with a box. <laughs> yeah, JR Fabrication already has that. Well, they only have a couple, right? They have, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, well, I think imagine, they're going to Gorky, Gorky makes the metal die cast cars and trucks mm -hmm. and stuff. They're old company that does that stuff. And, you know, they're collect collectible. So I can just imagine, you know, me having my endeavor, you know, whatever yeah. I have. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It would be I mean, harsh. It, I still want to get the Carrick model. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get that for a while. Do I wish they, they had it. The yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. They have both the... Freelancer um, and uh, Max, I guess, is what I'd see. They and, have the... Um, they have it in two colors. So they have it in... Um, they have it in the standard, I believe. Hang on. I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, I believe they have it in the standard carrot colors, and then I think they also have the Expedition. It'd be cool if they did the Best in Show one, though. Yeah. And that shouldn't be a huge difference. You know, it's really just the color of the glass because you paint it anyway, mm -hmm. I think. Well, I have a 3D The hard part is I'm not good at that exactly. I should try printing one. I saw Jangle show me a picture of his, and it came up pretty well. He did a Mercury Star Runner. It looked pretty nice. Don't tell me they ran out of them. Oh, no. They still have... Oh, no, they're out of stock. I'm sure they'll come back in stock. They're stuck in a boat somewhere off the coast of, the, uh, of Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the... 
the Dur is out of stock also. The Cyclone TR is out of stock. The Freelancer is out of stock. The PTV yeah. is out of stock. So it's they're being they're being popular. They're they're Yeah. They have a little Pisces uh diorama kit though, if you wanted to do a Pisces diorama. That's cool. Yeah. And they have like cargo crates and stuff. Anyway, all right. Enough about Twitch. JR design and fabrication. Hopefully you guys will release more Carrick um models. It would be amazing um, to do an sure. unboxing of one of those, wouldn't it? Uh, yes, I've seen one. Hint, um, I was going to say, hint, hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> you blow it, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, last but not least, I forgot to mention this one, but uh, update in terms of Star Citizen funding. They have surpassed half a billion dollars. Isn't that great? Um, I mean, it's insane. And, of course, the joke in our in the uh, uh, Parley House Discord is, all right, how many how many uh, Kotakus out there, Kotakus out there, and everyone have articles queued up, $500 million, and still no game. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think that's fantastic. You know, we're continuing to fund the studio that's bringing our dreams to reality. And, you know, I don't, given how much growth they're having on the team, it doesn't look like they're going to be um, slowing down anytime soon. I can only imagine they're going to use this technology to build other games down the road, too. Um, so, yeah, exciting times. Congratulations, Chris Roberts and, and everyone at CIG for an and amazing. Sandy for, she was there in the beginning and his brother. And yeah, there. Yeah. Super, super exciting. Uh, so that brings us to tips and tricks. Finally, <laughs> over an hour in, uh, we have one submission via discord this week and it's from our good friend strikeout actual. And he said, if you have a Carrick or a similarly large ship upgrade your quantum drive to a TS two, it is well worth the money. Agreed TS two or bust. Um, Especially now, like before the TS2, when they first had that, that um, I think the Carrick came with a Pontus drive originally, and it was so slow, but was so good on fuel. And then if you upgraded to the TS2, it was super fast, but you burnt through fuel kind of at a crazy pace. And I think all they did was up upsize the fuel tanks on the Carrick. Um, but either way, super great. I love the TS2, and it does not burn through fuel that much. Uh, any tips or tricks from you, Seagard? You know, I think it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's something I've been doing for quite a while now. I've been, and you see me all the time, uh, every time we have some kind of, you know, reload or something, I'm loading up, you know, stuff onto a ship and leaving it on the ship. Um, and I've even taken that now since we have hangers for almost everything. I really just walk around in the regular clothes within the facility, um, mm -hmm. within the base stations or whatever. And I've really find that it saves me a lot of time it, in the beginning. Yeah. You got to take one or two ships like a hallway or, 
you know, maybe a, um, a retaliator or a reclaimer, or not a reclaimer, something you know, you're going to use all the time, either for a first person shooter or for cargo and everything. Um, mm-hmm. And you prepackage those with your uniforms and your magazines and, um, and you just kind of go out and do your thing. Um, it, it's a little bit of a pain when, when you, you know, do lose the ship, but as long as you're playing careful, you know, it just saves you so much time just to be able to either wake up on your ship next to a station floating or mm-hmm. next on a platform at a ground installation um, just to get in and go play. Um, I don't know how many times we sit around and just wait for everyone to get the gear on and then they got to go back and swap ships and, you know, pick the thing that you're going to play in and play in it. And I find that that's not always the biggest ship. It's just a well-balanced ship is what I'm using more lately. Um, yeah. You can carry cargo. You can do a little bit of combat. It's it's good to go do ground missions with or to pick up, you know, salvage, you know, whatever it may be. Um, I just mm-hmm. loaded up my Drake Black with two dragonflies, and I'm going to put some stuff in that. Uh, you know, I put uh, basically – the other thing I've been doing is I've been putting in um, – three colors of combat armor. I put in a snow color, a sand color of some kind and a, a, uh, like a, a green color. Right. Um, and then I carry a utility uniform of some kind with usually, you know, some kind of, uh, RSI standard, you know, um, uniform. Uh, so I go out and do stuff. Um, and I find it, it just saves me a lot of time. It's just really a time saver, uh, especially if you're trying yeah. to get groups together. You know, a lot of times you just don't stay on your ship. You get off and wear whatever uniform you're going to wear and get on somebody else's ship, leaving yours somewhere else. Uh, so highly, highly recommend it for as a time saver. Okay, excellent. Um, my quick tip, believe it or not, tip of the week for me is um, – if when they do bring back um, uh, Siege of Orison, you know, don't don't worry about over kidding yourself, right? You will pick up. First of all, you'll run out of ammo no matter what, anyhow. Um, but you will pick up plenty of weapons along your your path of corpses uh, in order to uh, be able to uh, maintain a supply of. Uh, weaponry i didn't run out of anything one time i did get blasted in the face because i had my shotgun ready to go and then i ran out of uh cartridges (laughs) but beyond that that was me not being prepared in terms of knowing how much ammo i had and when i needed to pick up another gun so you know i would say though uh wear a backpack and wear armor that can carry multiple guns because uh, it's helpful to be able to stow a gun you pick up uh, and then pick up another one. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I tried it with the, I tried it with the um, sniper rifle, uh, the sniper rifles and mm-hmm. it started out great, but uh, you know, you run out of ammo by the time you're through the first level because no one else has got sniper ammo that matches yours. So you'd have to pick yeah. one up from them, which is not easy to find always or, you can't find your matching ammo. So I actually go with, you know, uh, Gemini 
or something like that, because that's usually going to be the common thing out there. And I pick one of the assault rifles. It's it's usually a lot better. And always carry a sidearm with magazines. Yeah, I have used that many times. So, yeah. Uh, actually, one more tip I, with regards to Siege of Orison that I could say is. Uh, if you plan on being a good Samaritan and healing up people who put out the med beacons, uh, so if they're not in your group, you don't know how to find them, so the med beacon's the only way, you you have to accept the mission and then track it. When you're done healing that person up or the mission gets cleared, don't forget to go back to Siege of Orison and track that mission. I forgot to do that, and I shot somebody who happened to be wearing... Um, uh, nine tails armor and he he uh he uh gave me a crime stat and killed me so i went to prison <laughs> for a uh, honest mistake and he yeah. didn't believe me <laughs> well i was like no wait no or pirate armor i should have i should have said so i didn't say anything in voice comms i typed it and i should have just quickly said oh so sorry anyway so that's it from me it's time for science um i'm gonna be honest in saying we had zero submissions for science the these past two weeks anything from uc guard no not really not really same um, here let's uh Let's skip for brevity then and move on to our next segment. Too funny that it's made off an iPad. I mean, it just, it was kind of fun. I think I'm actually going to try to do another one. I had one that sort of I created a while back, way back when I was thinking about doing a podcast and then just never did it. Um, not Star Citizen related. And it was something, it kind of had like almost like a like bum, 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 like a really like good kind of like sound. Uh, it's really easy using GarageBand, and GarageBand's free now. So, yeah, yeah, I was I was very impressed. I almost went out and got a keyboard, a small one, you know, just. But I said, no, nah, it's, it's not going to overboard you. You're not a musician. Yeah, yeah. Well, I used to be a musician, yeah. but uh, not anymore. So, well, uh, so it's it's time for your question, Seaguard. And last time we aired, you asked, "Do you think stealth and running under stealth power?" will be useful uh, for cargo haulers. Are you losing my mindset? Welcome back. Also, I believe it would be useful, though I imagine due to balance issues, there will be substantial trade-offs and very limited, though not insignificant, gains. Uh, Laws said, Yes, I think that reducing the signal while running cargo will be valuable, but... Being able to set your own points for QT to avoid blockades will be even more valuable. Yes. Uh, yeah. I also think, like, who knows what the trade-off will be? You know, will it? Yeah. Will you have to turn off your shields? At which point, you know, you're going to get hit real quick. Who knows? Uh, 
Brother Squid said, I think it'd be very useful but near impossible to pull off on larger ships, leaving smaller cargo ships like the Hull A with some extra utility for sensitive runs and remaining safe. Uh, Esgar said, Stealth I think will prove useful for all professions in different ways, and I hope it is implemented in several flavors, such as using electronic warfare to disguise your ship or cargo, or obscuring individual ship signals with a group of very close ships. However, with using stealth power, I think it's a very fine line to tread. If detected and you need your systems, most cargo ships come equipped with industrial components, which take a very long time to charge. But a full stealth build on a longer distance hauler, while expensive, might make the trip through pyro a bit safer. Um, Yeah, and he said TLDR, yes. Yeah. Um, I always think of them in terms of combat when I think about them, but yeah, uh, I, that's why I just one day just thought of it. Uh, cargo haulers probably could be pretty quiet if you equip them yeah. that way. Small ones, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Depends on how. Like, I think it'll depend on how they run signatures on cargo, too, because I could see them implementing a system where think of it this way, right? If you're insuring, like, I think there's a way down the road that you'll be able to insure the cargo that you're hauling so that you don't lose everything, right? You at least get the money back that you um, right. paid into it or at least a portion of it. And then what you really lost was time and profit. But imagine if part of that is the caveat that the cases need to be traceable, need to have a marker on it of some sort. Right. That could be a really good way to balance that out to say like, okay, so the cargo itself could leave a signature. Um, I guess we'll see how they do it. Yeah, There's no, a lot a, of different ways to do that. Um, the Nubkins said, I believe so. Yes. However, running with a low signature on something that is generally not a stealthy ship to begin with may not yield a huge benefit compared to a smaller ship that is inherently more stealthy to begin with. I don't think anyone's going to be sneaking by their whole E in stealth power mode while a full-powered freelancer max gets detected instead. Um, Tech Zero said, I feel like we should have the option for it. Being a new player, I do love my two ships, the hull A and the raft. Wow, you're all in on hauling, huh? But playing solo... But playing solo is not the greatest. All we have is two size ones on both. I know the raft has the turret, but you can't use flying solo. Hope all is well. Love the show. Thank you, Tech. JD Boone said, hmm, I think it just might. Uh, Yeasty Dynasty. (laughs) Yeasty Dynasty. There you go. (laughs) It makes me laugh every time. I think it will be especially very useful uh, if you are doing cargo runs to Pyro. Um, S. Gateman said, yes, but not for a while. I hope that stealth and maneuverability will allow some ships, for example, smaller ships, to go through places that big cargo haulers can't. This would allow ships that have a small amount of cargo space to perform potentially dangerous operations to make a significant profit as opposed to packing as much cargo as you can. 
Uh, there needs to be a reason to use smaller car cargo haulers. Otherwise, they become useless in comparison to large haulers. There's a time and a place for a whole C, and then there's a time and a place for a Mercury Star Runner. And hopefully, even the tiny little 8 SCU of the Avenger Titan can be profitable if you carry the right cargo. One possible scenario in Pyro, question mark. Uh, when can do a dangerous cargo trip with a full C2 or larger ship, but needs to hire turret gunners and fighter pilots to make the journey. This takes extra time and cost. Alternatively, you can use a smaller, faster ship, such as the MSR, to avoid capture or destruction. Less cargo, but less payout for other members. Lastly, you could use a small, stealthy ship and do it yourself if you can avoid uh, getting caught. Keep all the profit to yourself. Um, Skyguard said, yes, but to be most effective, you'll need the proper components and you'll likely be invisible tissue paper. And then uh, Strikeout Actual said, smugglers will benefit for sure, but those components will cost you in trip time slash fuel mileage. Uh, so good question. I mean, you know, I think certainly there will be those trade-offs, mm -hmm. but it also, uh, it always makes me harken back to, there's also that huge trade-off of, do I go through Pyro and risk it? Or do I take the safe route around through Terra and other systems uh, that might make it a longer haul? Um, you know, and I think that'll be really, really interesting dynamic. All righty. What's your question for this week? So I've already posted it too. So, nice. um, so this one was just a little different. This one is, uh, should personal laser weapons, basically anything, you know, powered off a, a charged magazine be rechargeable, such as on your ship or in your habitat? Um, you know, right now we take all our magazines, throw them on the floor in the space station, um, and uh, go buy new ones. But, uh, laser weapons, I think it would be great to have, you know, basically your uh, DeWalt charging station for your laser weapons in your in your weapons locker, and you just kind of plug them in there and let them start charging up. Mm -hmm. um, so, the, so the the question is: Should personal laser weapons be rechargeable, such as on your ship or in your habitat? And how would you balance this with ballistic weapons? Right. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, ballistic weapons also can use power. Um, some of them, like rail guns and things like that, use power. So they would potentially be chargeable, but you still need to have the ammo. Right? So that's mm -hmm. kind of weird. Um, you know, it's... Uh, so, I, you know, there has to be some kind of compensation. I think lasers don't hit this hard right now as ballistic weapons. Um, that was my, my feeling. I don't know that that's always true. Um mm -hmm with any substantial fact, but I feel that way. Um, and there is quite a bit more, you know, quite a few more shots, let's say in a, um, uh, what's the uh, standard pistol there? Um, the uh, uh, arc. Yeah. Arc light. Yeah. The arc. Arc light. Yeah. Yeah. Arc light. Um, you know, there's 60, what, 60 shots in a magazine, whereas you get, pick up a Gemini um, oh, this L86, I think, has, you know, like 10 or something, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Or the 38 by bearing has, you know, roughly 10 or 11. <clears throat> so, you know, 
how do you how do you make it different for those guys, right? How do you make it uh, worthwhile for them? Maybe price is a big factor, right? Since they're rechargeable, magazines may cost more for laser weapons. Yeah. So that was just my thought. Yeah, definitely. Um, it'll be interesting to see the responses. Yeah. I and hope, now, oh, go ahead. I almost went down one around suits, around uh, spacesuits. Um, if anyone wants to discuss spacesuits, send send me your thoughts and questions, and um, because I I really wanted to do something around spacesuits here, and you know how to maybe people feel that should spacesuits be kind of like a miniature spaceship, and that they can suffer damage, you have to repair them, and um, you know you can you know, lose thrusters and all sorts of stuff which make them hard to maneuver. Um, mm. I just wonder if anyone's interested in that type of stuff or any any discussions on it. So. If I have a guess, I'm sure there are plenty of people interested in that discussion, one way or another, to take a side perhaps even. Um, we got a few questions, and then there's also a little bit of back and forth, but let's, let's go through them and see. Uh, Admiral Cody said, question, what are the top three things Star Citizen needs to implement for your own personal enjoyment of the game. Please answer this as selfishly as possible. What three things for you, Seaguard? Um, okay. For me, um, crew play to a high level. Um, functioning ship interiors, which I mean by lockers that work, you know, suit, ha- uh, suit closets that work bunks and drinking and food and all that works within the ship. So it becomes self-sustaining like a space, you know, space station, but it's a, it's actually a ship. Um, and then the third one would, um, I, I know a lot of us want to do some real, um, like, uh, exploration and, and, like looking and finding things and exploring exploration would be the proper term. So Mm -hmm. in that case, I would like to have a navigation system, which allows us to map points, um, you know, and be able to navigate to those points. Once we've been there once, if if we record those, those coordinates, Mm -hmm. those would be my three things. Okay. Um, I'm, I like that a lot. I'm going to go with, I think, I think server meshing for me, at least static. Well, there's two more, right? You get three, right? Yep. At least static server meshing. Um, I would say I'm going to be greedy and kind of tie all of this into one thing, but sort of like what you said but more fully functional ship systems. So scanning, mapping, you know, all the stations meaning something. So I think similar to you, that would enable multi-crew gameplay. And then I think homesteading. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, would be fun. Because it gives you something to work towards and, and something sort of a base of operations where it might be a little easier. Uh, great. Um, Gothic said, with the long list of features CIG has planned for the game, how long do you think it will be before they go back and fix 
simple systems like movement, clipping, elevators, etc. It's hard for me to visualize this game being finished when something as simple as a ladder can cause a game over screen during a derelict mission. What do you think? Uh, I think, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a believer that we will see the game, you know, in a usable and purchasable, you know, release one, um, you know, within probably the next two years. I I really do believe I think we're going to, within two years, we'll be playing this game. And there will be more out there than we realize. Um, I think that most of those type of bugs will come out as they get the infrastructure and core syst- you know, syst- or services underneath it. Uh, meshing is one, persistence and things like that. Um, I, I think that at that point, they will be able to address things en masse. Um, so I think within... I think we will see those diminish with 3.8. I personally think that 3.8 will become 4.0 and it will become the official beta. 3.3 uh, uh, 3.18 will become the next one. The one they told us it'll, you know, come out we may be able to play as, you know, early as January in the PU. Oh, so so Hang on, take a step back because there were there were two there were three things, right? So they said, or not three things, but they were they said that there would be a three nineteen, and that that wasn't server meshing; it was just going to be a content patch, very similar to three seventeen dot two. Um, but it's after three eight. Yeah, but who knows if we're actually going to get that this year? Originally, that was going to be scheduled for this year, but I think. I think they're a little bit behind on 318 in order for that to happen. Regardless. Isn't, isn't 318 the one that's, you know, that Chris put out his letter and said, hey, expect this to take several months in testing and Evocati. That's yeah. 318, right? Yeah, but that was supposed to, truthfully, their ideal was that Evocati for 318 should have happened, you know. Yeah a month and a half ago. And so they still had another patch that they were going to do this year that was going to include more content and mission stuff in 319 um, that wasn't involving, you know, once 319 was out, then they were going to try and get over the end of the year um, server meshing, AKA a 4.0 in in the game. All the core things that, for the long Evocati testing, they put all that later on then. I'm yeah, a little so, confused, but yeah, okay. it, it was normally instead of, so in the letter to the chairman, what Chris, what they said was instead of our quarterly patch release, we know it's going to take longer to get 318 out. Cause if you really think about it, 318 was supposed to be in June. Right. So what we got instead was a content rich 317.2. However, that was a little bit later than they anticipated, uh, like around what the end of July or like mm-hmm. mid-July. And then because of that, the knock-on effect was that supposedly in July we were already going to have 318 and Evocati, but it took longer than expected to I think they 
But I will say, I think they're polishing it more. So ideally, we would have had 318 around a quarter late by the end of September-ish, October-ish, beginning of October, you know, or maybe even the beginning of September on live servers. Uh, and then we'd have an end of year patch as traditional, but it was going to be 319 and it was going to be uh, content rich, but not not a ton of systems. It was more just to keep us interested, just like 317.2 was. And then over the over the winter, you know, and sometime in December over the winter break and everything, they were hoping to have Evocati uh, be testing out server meshing. My guess is that'll probably push to early next year instead but we'll have to see. I still think within two years we'll be playing the game. I think, I don't know if we'll be playing what they consider to be the official game, but I think within two years it won't really matter to us. No, I, but you I know? think there's a business window here too, right? There's, uh, mm-hmm. and I, you know, again, I look at the portents uh, as in the, you know, signs in the skies and movements of the stars that uh you know they just moved a buttload of people to england for a reason and it's not just to get squadron 42 Mm. out out the door you don't relocate people permanently to another country with all the visas and the you know all the issues around that to just get a off the shelf game out the door right you could do that in half the time it was just the visual effects um, but they tied that game to have the same mechanisms in in the, in a large part as the MMO will have. What we're playing right now, the sandbox. Mm-hmm. I think I think that there is a lot of stuff done um, that when they get these core systems in, it's going to just they're going to open the floodgates. I really do. I just don't think, think they can so. wait much longer on the market. I mean, <clears throat> someone else is going to crank out something that's going to be very good without all the behind that, you know, beside behind the scenes details that nobody cares about um, except for us diehards. Right. Um, yeah. The average user I, out there is only going to have 40 bucks to spend on the game and they're going to grab the first one that meets that design. I think it will feel much like a polished game, but or, or at least a lot closer than we are today, especially especially since there's a lot of optimizations to be unlocked with server meshing and you know gen gen twelve renderer and all the, and Vulcan and everything. But I don't know if it'll be a hundred percent feature complete. I think what they'll do is they'll use Squadron Forty Two to drive activity towards the PU and to, to garner even more attention to the PU. Right. So I don't think they're going to market star citizen in a traditional way. I think they're going to market squadron 42, like a triple a title, and then use squadron 42 to draw more eyes over to the PU as like an upsell. On that's the squadron why they got to get it game. out the window. I think that's why they got to get 42 out the door. Yeah. I have a funny feeling they're spending more time polishing Squadron 42 so that the PU's in a state that makes sense for when people buy that AAA game and they upgrade to Star Citizen, that it's not a massive disappointment when they get into the game. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Uh, You know, and, you know, it's funny. um, 
was just something you said that kind of made me think about something. Oh, okay. So yeah, it was, um, you know, as another example of why I think if they're further along, you know, all of a sudden we went from, you know, 50 people on a server to a hundred, you know, and over a hundred for a couple of days. And, you know, I do have a pretty beefy computer now. Um, you know, I have lots of RAM and, you know, things like that. But it plays fine. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that some of the instability is definitely related to connectivity. I think some of the, um, you know, some of it is related to hardware. Um, and, it, you know, and that's that's not fun for a lot of people because I know they don't have that, that uh you know, they have that luxury to go buy everything. Um, and neither do I, but I didn't really need my children anyway, so I got rid of them. The, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, it's another example of like, just doesn't seem logical from an IT perspective. I've been doing this for IT for almost 35 years now. And uh, I just don't see how you can double the amount of capacity that quickly based on someone making a eureka moment, right? Yeah. I think that they are they were holding back some things and now they decided that hey we need to keep people a little more interested show some progress and they released some things to make that happen. Yeah. Um, I really do. I I think the portents, you know, I keep saying that the signs, the you know, the snowbird flies south in the winter and I see it, it must be good. Um I I really think this is a business decision. And they're going to mm-hmm. come out with it sooner than we expect. Yeah, I will agree to disagree. But yeah. what I'll say is the signs for me, it's not so much. I'm not sitting here and saying, oh, wow, I think they have more done than we think so much as I think they've built so many tools to rapidly crank out things that we're going to be pleasantly surprised at how fleshed out things like new systems are. Uh, when they release. And so you look and they're probably going to continue to systematize things like, uh, you know, part of the salvage uh, response that people were asking was, you know, the, all the debris that we see around Yella in certain locations, will that be salvageable? And they're like, well, not today, um, but the plan is to make them salvageable. And so, you know, that whole idea that they're trying to make anything that should be salvageable salvageable um, is a systematic thing. But once they do it, click on an area, populate that area, it's done, you know? And so I think they've, they've spent a lot more time, especially in those dead zones that a lot of people were getting frustrated, building those tools up. And now they're, they're hiring on a massive scale. Um, You know, I think we're going to start to see, I wouldn't be shocked if we, one, I wouldn't be shocked if they start moving away from the quarterly patch cycle to start including more, more frequent content dumps with quarterly mechanics dumps. Because I could see them getting to a point where if they wanted to, they could release a new star system every two months. That's, I definitely think that's going to be a reality when 42 hits the screen. Yeah. I think they have you know, several in that alone. Yeah. Man, All right. Good question. Good discussion. Yeah. Great question, Gothic. You got us talking. 
um, Yeasty Dynasty <laughs> said, I don't recall in past podcasts, but if you guys if you guys touched on this, but was wondering, do you think at some point CIG will add an option for solo play like what Frontier did for Elite Dangerous? Um, do you think, Seeker? I, um, <clears throat> I, I don't think so. I really don't. Um, it's possible they let people connect to a server on their own and just kind of fly around by themselves. I mean, that's possible. Um, you know, they've never said it's going to be a, an easy game. They never, they just said it's going to have impact for your actions or results for your actions. Um, and I, you know, we used to be terrified of that as new players, but now I play, you know, the more and more I play, I'm not terrified about it at all. In fact, I almost, wish someone would find me sometimes when I'm hauling so that I could get blown up or try to run away or do something. Right. It's, mm. it's a big, it's big space, little bullet <laughs> mentality. You know, like in you know, we talk about a big sky, little bullet, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's happenstance when you're running the people in a lot mm. of cases. Yeah. I, um, I would say the uh, I I don't think so either. I agree with you. I, I don't think I don't think the PU is going to have a solo play option. I think the PU will allow you to find ways to very safely solo play. Uh, if you're worried about other players griefing you or whatnot, I think they will build so many different mechanics within the law system uh, that it would be prohibitive to be a pirate in a highly policed zone um, without, you know, making sure that your target was high reward. Yeah. Uh, but I do not think you will have the ability to play your own instance of the game without, they did say that they would open it up to modding uh, without having your own mod server or whatever um you know if you're looking to play solo you know squadron 42 um or you just be a solo player in the in the wider verse and get to in, enjoy the energy of the wider population yeah and if you know if you know i don't know how long you've been playing the game or you know you may have been playing longer than i have or or anything but uh part of we you know we have this thing called parley house as part of part of the parley house is that we do play individually. Uh, we often are on discord together, but doing different things completely from each other. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes we decide we're going to go do things together. On the other hand, um, some guys are part of part of orgs and some orgs are part of parley house. But uh, you know, if you know, find a group, you know, we're, we're one you're, you don't have to be part of a clan or any other org. Uh, just a play a group that can cover your back while you're doing things, right? That's one good way to be safe. On the other hand, if you get blown up, we will loot your corpse. I mean, that's just what it's going to be. And we expect yeah. you to loot our corpses when we get blown up. <laughs> so yeah. It's, it's a game, and we just play it to have fun. And if someone blows us up, worst case, we leave and go to a new server. Uh, yeah. 
So, yeah. It, um, it, yeah, don't let that prevent you from necessarily playing. Yeah. Yeah. And if you have any questions, obviously, uh, ask. Uh, given a, a later question that he has, I, I he can't be too, too new, I'm going to assume. Okay, good. I didn't. I wasn't um, sure. But I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure. It did. I will say this, Easty. For some reason, it did sound like a question that someone newer to the game would be asking, only because it sounds like a little bit insecure about your safety in the verse. But you know, neither here nor there. Uh, Canuck twenty ninety nine was actually replying to Gothic's uh, question. He said, "Not hosting, but my goodness, CIG needs to make or actually Cody's question. Uh, not ho- hosting, but." My goodness, CIG needs to make bed logging work consistently. And then uh, Undead Parrot said, I'll expect that comes with PAS, PES once it's working properly. And back with our good friend Yeasty Dynasty. I didn't laugh this time. Um, I've been thinking about this lately. I'm wondering when do you guys think they will stop doing full account wipes after major updates 4.0 beta? Reason I ask is currently I own three ships that I bought from the store. The Mercury Star Runner, the Raft, and the Caterpillar. Another person with a very specific lineup of ships. I had thought about melting everything and buying a game package with the store credit and just working my way through buying ships in-game rather than the store. That's my plan at least, but I feel that it will be some time before they stop account wipes. Just curious if you had any guesses as to when that day will come. When do you think it'll come, Seagard? So for me, it's you know again, it's within two years of when they go to they go to a live version. Oh, but uh, what event? Like you think it's 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 release version, like gold? Yes, yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be the release version. Yeah. Uh, in fact, yeah. they've always stuck to that logic. Before it goes live, everyone starts from scratch. And, you know, if you have ships that you own from packages, you'll get those packages, obviously, and you'll get those credits. Um, that that you bought with that package, yeah. Uh, I would I would agree with you. I don't I don't think any of those other, even if, un, unless you hear CIG say, beta is when we're going to stop doing wipes. I, first of all, since beta is about optimization and squashing all of the bugs that plague the game, I would expect they're still going to do wipes. Um, really until a true live release or a note, a point where they decide they're no longer going to wipe accounts, I would expect them to continue um, indefinitely. And so um, good question. Yeah. You know, if you, if that bothers you, then keep your ships for now. Um, If it doesn't bother you, then it doesn't matter. You'll just have to work towards buying them again. Um, Undead Parrot also replied uh, he replied to this question well not a host but I would at least I would expect it coming after beta if I had to guess they'll do a soft launch for SC.1 and or something and declare that there will be no more wipes uh, this way they can have a way ready game but it still not be 1.0 ready uh, with everything in the Kickstarter campaign, essentially. And he said, yeah, I'll probably hold off on my... Uh, Yeasty said, I'll probably hold off on my intricate plan for a bit. Yeah, you and, know, one uh, thing that does make a difference was they did that database rebuild. 
and they yeah. did break out assets differently. Yeah. Um, so the impact in a wipe now could be, you know, in many cases could be that you keep those ships that you have or the credits that you have, you just lose your standing um, yeah. or vice versa. You know, we kept our standings last time um, and our, um, our rankings and things within, within, or within the AI orgs, like for bounty mm-hmm. hunting, et cetera. Um, but we did lose ships and, and funding last time. Um, so they have a more, they have a more granular way of saving things. So the impact may not be as big as the last one. Yeah. <clears throat> we shall see. And then Undead Parrot also clarified, I would say that we're still years away from the last wipe. Um, Dip McJunkin said, so I dipped back into Elite Dangerous a bit and got me thinking of how they will be changing quantum travel in the future. Would you be cool with CIG changing quantum travel to be more akin to Elite, like being able to overshoot your destination and being able to control your ship during quantum travel? Personally, I would love to have more agency than twiddling my thumbs while in quantum. What are your thoughts? What do you think, Seagard? Yeah, I actually hope that is the case. Um, I hope it, it's a matter of um, the accuracy of your systems, your ability to calculate the jump and variables such as, you know, your speed going in and, and uh, you know, all those things. Right now, if you jump in formation, you end up exactly in formation um, at the exact same spot. I would much rather see a scatter factor. It makes it, it, makes it harder for you. And more challenging, but it also makes it harder for you to be predictable because you might end up 20,000 kilometers away from where you, the pirates thought you were going to be. Right. So, yeah. So I hope so. Yes. I am in the same boat and, and also, I mean, they did mention they are making changes to quantum. So it'll be interesting to see um, what those changes are, but my guess is it's something more akin to not point and click. Um, cause what's the point in having a navigator, you know, or, or mapping, uh, out your route if it's just, okay, now face this waypoint, hold a button and now you could do whatever you want. Get up out of your seat, whatever. Um, besides just maybe monitoring your ship's safety, but for those, those who are single seater pilots, that will be behoring. So I totally get it. Um, awesome. So those are the last of our questions. If you have a question to submit, you can email us at recastsc at gmail.com. You could DM our Twitter handle at citizencastsc. You could submit a message through Anchor or on our CitizenCast Discord, uh, which has all the different topic areas listed out in the navigation pane. Uh, Or last but not least, you can text us or leave a voicemail at our Google Voice. The number is 646 seven eight three eight one five four uh as as you heard seagard mentioned already in this episode if you are looking for a crew looking for an org looking for people to play with in between solo sessions um or even if you're not playing star citizen at the time but you want to talk to fellow geeks uh because that happens quite a bit lately uh, as well in between people's engagement with the game uh, take a look at parlay house It's a neutral zone for players of all types to hang out, socialize, and enjoy the best damn space sim the verse has to offer. Links to all the information I just said can be found in the show notes. 
Uh, also, do take a look at some of our friends of the show who are content creators. Uh, don't forget to watch Earth and Earth Snorkel and Undead Parrots videos on YouTube. Um, definitely listen to the other music that Admiral Cody and Calibri have created. They also um, created the music for this episode, Sans Seaguard's uh, theme that he made. Um, and uh, if you haven't already, I'd be shocked because everybody's done it. Uh, take a look at uh, Star Jump, Grim, and Teams. Amazing effort on the fleet. Um, uh, what's it? What's it? Fleet Viewer. Um, much more. No offense, Fleet Viewer 42 or, or whatever it's called, but these are high res models of the ships that that are in the game and it's a beautiful way to display your fleet and that dear friends wraps up another episode of citizen cast thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week somehow we did under two hours seaguard it felt like it was three <laughs> yeah you know i kept going on and on no 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 it's not it that. Good. It's just I'm just very tired. I had a lot of interviews today. Yeah, no, I got you. I got you. But it was a good one, I think. Yeah, lots of content. Yeah, yeah. I like um, when people give us your good questions. Yeah, same here. Uh, for sure. Uh, you know, anyone in the New Jersey-ish area should consider going to that bar citizen i think it's on the 29th yeah having just gone to one really a good time i don't know if i'll have swag for that period of time but if i could try and get some maybe we'll give some out at the very least maybe i'll make us some t-shirts that we can wear to these events well it's funny we were just talking about that event I said I would put together some shirts with Citizen Cast and Parley House on it. So much excite. <laughs> <laughs>